welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! So excited that you're in the house this morning. I pray that you would receive something from God. Our heart here at Kingdom Culture is that every single week you would experience God in a real way for transformation in your life. If you don't experience God and you only experience church, you're missing out. If you only experience a Sunday morning church service and there's no experience or encounter with God, you are missing the point. You are missing out. And it's not about how good the worship is. It's not about how, you know, loud or soft the music is. It matters about how your heart is in the process because you could worship to kumbaya right we could sing kumbaya we can we could sing songs like these we could scream metal music we could rap hip hop it doesn't matter what type of style of music it is as long as your heart is engaged and if your heart is engaged and your heart is able to worship god i mean if it was up to me man it would be like <laughs> you wouldn't want to come to my church you would not want to come to this church if it was my style. Because the way I connect, I connect in different styles. But it doesn't matter because as long as I connect with God, it doesn't matter the style. It matters about the heart. And so my, our heart here is that you, whatever style, whatever vibe you feel you connect with, that somehow you would find connection with God and with those around you. I want to just preface this whole message this morning uh, with this idea that for the last three months now, I mean, we're already three months really into the new year, we've been on this community track, really um, talking about the value of connection, the value of being a part of team, the value of connecting in community, dealing with people and being in relationship, and, and that how, how without that you cannot know God for real, that we know God more and more through also the people that are in our life. We get to know God through the people in and around our life. We are strengthened in our relationship with God with the people in and around our life. To, to be a lone ranger, to be a maverick in this game we call spiritual life is really hard. But to be connected is really strong, is strength. And so we're in this theme of community in this season and this, I, I want to just declare this, that it's target practice season. Say it with me. Target practice season in this season. It's target practice season. There's a target that God has for you in this season. Maybe that target for you has been, you know, financial goals. It's been uh, career goals. It's been relational goals. Maybe you're single and your goal is to get married. How many single ladies or single men in the house will we'll connect you after the experience? No one wants to put their hand up. But 
Maybe you have a, a, some sort of a target goal. Let me just tell you this. There is a target that God has for us all in this season, and he wants us to hit it. And we're talking about that today. Our target ultimately is peace. And it's peace with each other. It's peace in relationship. Our target is peace. Our challenge in this process is always managing conflict along the way. When it comes to people, there, there's, no, there's no greater problems than people problems. Look at the world today. The problems that we all face all revolve around people. People making decisions, bad decisions, good decisions sometimes, whatever the case may be. Problems revolve around people. And so often what happens within people, we have conflict, we have division, we have trial, we have challenges that we have to move through. And the target when it comes to our kingdom mission in life, when it comes to the people of God in our life, the people that, brought, that God has brought into our life, whether they're believers or not, the target that God has for us all is to aim for peace in those relationships, to aim for peace with the people in our lives. Our challenge is always managing conflict to get there. Our reality is that it will not always go as planned, but we have been given the charge to try, to aim for peace, to, to shoot for the target of peace. Think about marriages. Think about families. Think about the last Christmas dinner, family dinner that you may, may have had. Maybe there was a blow-up, an unresolved blow-up. You had an argument at the dinner table whether or not Trudeau should be prime minister, whether or not Trump should still be president. That's a swear word for many people in this room. Whether Biden should still be president. You had an argument, some sort of political conversation. It blew up. And because politics is a big deal at every dinner table, you didn't deal with the consequences or the outcomes of that conversation, swept it under the rug, and now you don't feel peace in the relationship. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of that was a word of knowledge for somebody in the room? <laughs> you feel tension. There's tension. Tension in co-working relationships. You had an argument about some social, social argument or whether this is right or that's right or this is wrong and that's wrong and you had an argument and you didn't deal with the outcomes and you don't have peace now. It's an awkward relationship. There are no-go zones. How many have some no-go zones? No-go zones are often the sign of something unresolved. Having a no-go zone in a relationship usually is the sign of something unresolved, something that maybe has happened in the past. They don't want to go there anymore. They don't want to have that conversation because they're too scared or they're too afraid of the outcome. They don't want to damage their relationship. Now, for fear of damaging the relationship because they don't know how to manage the conflict, they don't have the conversation, and it builds up and builds up and builds up and more tension builds up. They think they're doing a service to you. You think they're doing a service to them by not having the conversation, but really it's just building tension. It's building. There's no peace. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? I think everybody in this room has some relational connection that may feel like there's no peace. Especially in the last couple years, right? You can talk about vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask, right? Everyone got their religious panties in a knot during that season. Everyone. Lots of arguments, lots of tension, lots of differencing or differ, differing opinions. And man, there's some of you don't have relationship anymore with some people, maybe even in your family. You don't talk to them the way you did because of a disagreement around that stuff. That's sad. 
That's so sad that somehow somebody else came in and divided the relationship. But let me just encourage you this morning that maybe you're that person in the room that's still dealing with the aftermath of some of this. I believe it's target practice season for you in this season to aim for peace. It's not about you making them have peace with you. It's about you having peace with them. It's about you finding peace within your own heart. It's about you doing your job to make sure you don't have any wall or division within you towards that individual. You aren't carrying an offense. That you aren't carrying and still drinking the bitter cup of bitterness. It's up to you. It's not up to you to deal with their heart. It's up to you to deal with your heart. That's my encouragement this morning. God wants to release healing, I believe, in the room around this stuff. I really believe that. I mean, I've been, how many have been to a funeral? How many have been to a family funeral where you know there are people in the room that are family, sisters and brothers that haven't talked for like 40 years, and the first time they've seen one another again is at the funeral of their dead parent? How awkward is that? And it's so sad that for 40 years... They're going to hold on to an offense. And I get it. There's trauma. I get it. There's, there's issues. There's bitterness. There's hurt. There's pain. And, and that's sad. But at some point, you have a responsibility to forgive. You have a responsibility to move ahead. You have a responsibility to let that individual go. Every time we don't let someone go and we hold unforgiveness towards them, we are acting as Pharaoh did to the Israelites. Moses' whole goal was to, to get them, to get Pharaoh to let his people, let God's people go. And what did Pharaoh do? No, no, no. And that's what we do. God's like, let them go. Let that thing go. And we're like, no, no, no. You don't know what they did to me. God wants to set you free this morning. Your target is peace. I want to read this chapter in Romans 12. I'm going to read 12 verses. I'm going to target specifically two of them, but I'm going to read 12 of them for you. I think it's a great, I think we might even do a series around these 12 verses possibly. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 21. Really, Paul is giving us a target when it comes to relationship. He's giving us a target when it comes to community. He's giving something for us to aim for in life. Verse 9, Romans chapter 12, Paul is speaking to the believers at Rome and encouraging them. He says this, love must be sincere. Because there's a lot of disingenuous love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Listen to this, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. That word for devoted literally means to love family. It means to be a lover of family. Be devoted. Be a lover of family. Be a lover of family dynamics. Be a lover of the camaraderie that comes, the connection that comes, the shared responsibility that comes. Be a lover of family. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Speaks of generosity. Says practice hospitality. This is just good, good basic, simple instructions, don't you think? Like be generous, practice hospitality, it's kingdom. Be hospitable, be nice. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless those who come against you. That just shows your integrity. When you can not 
repay evil for evil, which is what he's going to say in a second, and bless those who come against you is a sign of integrity. It's a sign that you are aiming for peace. If you're out for blood, man, you're going to fight to the death. I don't know about you, but that used to be me. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I would argue, I could argue all day long about every spiritual doctrine, every, I, I would argue, I mean, turn red in the face. I mean, we'd go at it. There almost be physical fights sometimes, let me just tell you. It would get so heated. Very, very beginning days. I learned over, the, over time that, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to convince everybody that they were wrong. And I was right. I learned over time that I wasn't always right. I learned over time that my argument wasn't the best argument. I learned over time that it wasn't about winning a debate. It was about peace in the relationship. Verse 15 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now listen to this. These are the, first, these are the two verses I want to hone in on this morning. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't revenge. How many like revenge in here? Nobody wants to admit it. How many like revenge movies? <laughs> Come on. Come on. I like, I like a good like justice revenge movie. I'm like, get them. Get them. Beat them. You know, it's like. But in real life, God is like, dude, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not give them what they're giving you, is what he's saying. They're paying you evil, don't pay them back evil. That's what the word is. The language is, they're paying you evil, they're depositing evil into you, don't deposit evil back into them. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do, listen to this, what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's a very hard statement. That's a very hard encouragement. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Verse 18. Listen, I love this. Listen to the sound of this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He does not say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on the other person forgiving you. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, do your part to release the individual. Do your part to respond well to the individual. Do your part to dump out the cup of bitterness that you've been drinking the last 20 years. Do your part to let go of the offense. Do your part as it's possible to make mends and to aim for peace. You're hearing this this morning. This is such a good word for us. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me just read the last few verses and I'm going to zone in on this. In verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Basically what he's saying is do the opposite of what you want to do. Do the opposite of what you want to do. The true sign of someone who's been forgiven in your life that has wronged you is if you can truly bless them and pray for them to prosper. 
I think the true sign that, God, you would pray for them, pray for them to prosper in a genuine way. It's a true sign that you've been able to let that thing go. If you're still holding on and you're not able to pray for them, bless them, you don't want them to prosper. In fact, when they fall, you're like, ha, 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 and you feel that ha, ha, ha laugh inside of you. You've not forgiven them. Something bad happens in their life and all you can do is silently rejoice. You've not forgiven them. I want you to think of somebody right now in your life, a leader that's hurt you, your boss, your manager, a relationship, a marriage, I don't know what it is, a best friend, somebody, maybe that you're just harboring some stuff right now towards, I want to encourage you, don't let that rob you anymore because it's been robbing you. It's been robbing you of living life to the fullest. So I'm talking today about target practice because it entirely, let me tell you this, it entirely depends on you. If you're going to hit a target in life, and the target we're talking about is peace, it depends on you. you got to aim for the target. you got to go after the target. I remember years ago when I first started traveling, I was in Indiana, and it was back in the day as an itinerant you know, speaker where I, I, I used to stay in people's houses, which I don't do anymore. And uh, now it's simply hotels, but I would, in the beginning, I would stay in people's houses, and I had some good experiences. I had some really bad experiences. And there was one experience I had. I was in Indiana, and it was one of my favorite experiences, actually. And it's hard because you, you don't ever go back from that. You have a really good experience, and then you have a lot of bad ones. You're like, man, that, like that, nothing compares to that. Well, this is one of those experiences. I stayed in this individual's house who owned, it, who owned a large acreage. A large, large acreage. And he had, he was like a hunter, and he had um, a skeet shooting farm on his, I don't even know what you call them, a skeet shooting farm. I don't know, I made that up. It's a skeet shooting field where he had this, the, the, the whole setup where you shoot the clay, you know the clay pigeons? You shoot them out and it's like, pull, and then you, you, know, you shoot them, you blow them up. Well, I had never done this in my life. This was like a first time. I don't think I'd even shot a double barrel, barrel, barrel shotgun in my life at this point. And so here he is. They, he gave us, it was me and a few people, and they gave us like, I think it was like over two and a half hours of rounds. And I had never done this before, but he was teaching us how to shoot the target. And at first it seemed so impossible. Like there's no way that I'm going to get this little disc like super far while it's moving and I'm going to hit it. And as obviously the first several times I did it, I didn't get it. And I was getting used to, like, the kickback of the, the shotgun. And I was getting used to the feel of the gun. I was getting used to my stance, finding my balance. I mean, I was getting used to all these variables, which happens, right? When you're shooting and you're aiming for something in life, there are lots of variables at play if you're going to hit the target. If you want peace in relationship, there are a lot of variables you're going to have to overcome. Things you're going to have to navigate. You call them, they don't pick up. So you give up and say, well, if it's really you, God, they're going to pick up the phone. Well, maybe not. Maybe you got to call them 20 times until they put a restraining order against you. Maybe you, know, maybe you, you got to find a way. Maybe you got to email them. Maybe they don't, <clears throat> your number doesn't show up. You, you just don't know why they're not answering, and you give up so quick. Well, I could have given up. I wasn't hitting the target. I was feeling a little bit embarrassed. Like, why am I not hitting the target? But then I got into this flow. And I started to learn how to move the gun properly. I started to learn how to embrace the shot. I started to learn how to move and hit a moving target. 
And I actually felt last night, this is interesting, and I'm going to elaborate a little more, but I was praying last night, and I felt the Lord say to me, he said, that today's message would be a footprint that you can track towards the target of peace. What I mean by that is what you're going to get from today's message is going to give you keys, is going to give you the signs you need, is going to give you the steps you need to aim for, tar- aim for peace in life. And I was seeing it like almost like when you're tracking an animal, like if you're a hunter, you're tracking an animal and you're tracking the footprints. The target is the animal. The footprints help you move towards the target. And this message, I believe, is going to be footprints for you to move towards the target of peace in this season of your life. And I believe God is going to do an amazing things. And I said this last week. I said, there are people in this room that in the next 20 days, you are going to find peace in relationships that didn't have peace. We have 13 days left, and I believe this is a prophetic word for you. That if you, were to, if you would apply this today, I'm telling you, you're going to see major transformation. It's not about the relationship being transformed. It's about you being transformed. It's about you letting it go. For some of you, it's not thinking, like, well, if I do this, I don't even want the relationship. Well, it's not, that isn't the point. The point is that you are no longer carrying unnecessary burdens around. Because it's like bad breath. Everybody knows you have it, but you don't. And so many people carry heaviness from their past seasons, baggage. They're carrying it around. Everybody else can see it, but you can't. Right? You may feel it. You feel heavy. You don't know why you feel heavy. Because you're carrying baggage you don't need to be carrying. Because maybe you didn't exit a season right. Well, I believe God is going to give you grace today to give you the tools you need to exit that season right in this season. But hitting a moving target is hard. Finding peace in relationship can be hard. But I believe this, it depends on you. Let's go back to the verse here, verse 17 and 18, chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Now we're just going to stop there for a second because I'm going to unpack three postures to watch in this season from this passage. Three postures for us to watch as we navigate aiming for peace in relationship in this season. Stay with me now. Don't fall asleep. Three postures to watch and really what I would call the terms for engagement. The terms for engagement. Just just as there are terms for engaging a gun. Engaging and handling a gun. There are terms for engagement. There's terms for if you're going to shoot a target, whether it's in hunting or whether it's clay pigeons, you're going to shoot a target. There are terms for engagement. There are three things that I want to highlight. And each one, I believe this, carries the spirit of honor when navigated right. Number one, watch your response. If you want peace, if you want to navigate peace, Watch your response. In chapter 12, verse 17, he says this, repay no one evil for evil. He's giving us rules for engagement. He's giving us what not to do. He's showing us what it looks like to have the right response by highlighting the wrong one. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't respond like that. And he actually goes on in verse 19 to 21, and he explains what it looks like to respond right. Bless those who curse you. Feed them if they're hungry. 
Like, do everything you don't want to do to the person you don't like. <laughs> do the opposite. They call you an idiot, you call them kind. I mean, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You just speak the opposite. You do the opposite. You love. You respond in love. But how many know that's a hard thing in today's day and age? Man, there's been so many times on social media where I've, like, had to hold my tongue. And I've done it many times, and I do it for the most part. 85% of the time, I hold my tongue. Probably 95%, actually. The rest of it, I write in my, my notes in my phone. And then I erase it, because then I feel guilty about what I'm saying. But man, sometimes I just want to say what I think, right? How many want to say what they think? Well, when you do that, listen, you are repaying evil for evil. You paid me evil, I'm going to pay you back evil. You mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. That's just not what he wants from us. Repay no one evil for evil. Respond not with revenge, but with the opposite, as it states in verses 19 to 21. This word for evil, listen to, let me describe this word evil for you. It's inwardly foul. It's rotten. It means poisoned. It's an inner malice flowing out of a morally rotten character. That's not who you are. So when you repay evil for evil, you are mimicking your enemy. You are becoming the very thing that you don't like. When you repay evil for evil, you become the very thing you are against, the very thing you don't like. Often, this happens in life, right? We, we say we're not going to be something, and then we end up being that something. We become the thing that we say we don't want to become. We make these vows and these inner covenants with ourselves, and then we end up becoming those things. We become so anti-something, we become that something. I know so many people who have an anti-religious, religious spirit. They're so anti-religious, they're actually religious and don't know it. And they don't know it because they're deceived, and you're deceived. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's why you're deceived. If you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. If you knew you were deceived and you stay, stay deceived, well, then you got bigger problems. It's an anti-religious, religious spirit trying to mask itself as something holy. And yet it's not. Evil. It's rotten. The, the word is, it, the rot is already in the wood. That's the illustration. The rot is already. When you're repaying evil for evil, you are acting like your enemy. And like I said, that's not who you are. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. He says in verse 19, leave room for God's wrath. There's no honor in revenge. We are called to honor with purpose, making the purpose peace. The number one rule when you're skeet shooting, there's like a bunch of rules for engagement. The number one rule, the first rule, you know what it is? It's know the rules. Know the rules. Like know what you can and cannot do. And these are the rules for engagement when it comes to targeting peace in a relationship. Paul, the apostle, God through Paul the apostle is laying out the terms of engagement, the rules. First of all, take care of your response. Respond right. He's giving you the rules for engagement. Number one, don't respond the way you want to. 
respond in the opposite way. Like when you're holding the gun and the, the, you're, you're not used to the kickback of the gun when you shoot the gun. Eventually you get used to the kickback. You respond well, but initially you don't respond well. It controls you rather than you controlling it. And I know some people where evil has been controlling them, they have not been controlling it. They've not been able to respond well. They've not been able to control themselves in their repaying the person evil because they were given evil or they were responded or they were rejected and so they want to reject, they want to repay evil for evil. Man, I, I, I remember there was a time where this national leader wrote a letter about my character, about me. And he, it was shared across Canada. And I was, I was ousted out of many different circles across Canada as a result of this. Things that were made up and things that were twisted and because they were hurt. And man, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to kick back hard. I was hurt by that. This is someone that I was close to, I looked up to, I, I was connected to. And I wanted, and I involved a whole bunch of my mentors and counsel in this process. And most all of them said to me, the, all of their responses was just, just, just pray, just honor. God's going to take care of this. And I waited two years, two years. And I prayed, and I, two years went by where I had to hold this in. Not justify, defend myself, hold this in. Two years went by, and I remember one day I woke up and I got an email with an apology for this letter that was written, a total redaction. It admit, it, and the person admitted that it was not true, admitted that they were hurt, that they were hurt, so they wanted to hurt, because hurt people hurt people. I remember thinking in that moment, man, like, yeah, it took long, and, you know, God doesn't always do things in our timeline, but, man, if I had repaid evil for evil in that moment, who knows where I would have been. But I learn wisdom in these moments. I learn wisdom in these moments. My, the first curriculum I ever wrote on recognizing the voice of God, I was attending a church at the time, and the board of directors wrote a literal, like, like I don't know, it was like a 30-page document debunking all of my doctrine, taking my manual and debunking all of my manual. And they sent it out to the whole entire church. Imagine that. I'm like a new believer. I developed this curriculum. I'm discipling people. Transformations happening. People are getting saved on the street, like, all the time. Like, amazing things are happening. And these people that you look up to because they have never had this experience and they're seeing scripture through a very narrow lens. They don't even believe God speaks today. Write this document about my, and I had to hold my tongue. I had to just show them by my fruit. And some of that stuff never got resolved, but guess what? Literally 18 years later, 18 years later, I see some of these guys. I see some of these guys, and I've held my heart, I've held my tongue, and it's like there's an acknowledgement that, hey, we were wrong. We were wrong, and we apologize, 
and we're happy with what you're doing in life. We're happy with where God's taken you. Isn't that amazing? To see these things happen, I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to argue myself, repay evil for what I feel like is evil to prove myself to anyone. The only person I need to prove myself to, and I don't really need to prove myself to him anyways, is God. He's already approved me. He's already approved me. He's already affirmed me. He's already accepted me. But I'm living for an audience of one in the end. You could come at me. You could come against me. But in the end, there's one man that is the most important person in my life, and he is for me. And he stands with me, and his name is Jesus. And he's got my back. So your response is everything if you're going to hit the target of peace. Number two, write this down. Your life example your life example, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but take thought, listen to this, take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. This is our goal. This is our aim, to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. Man, if, if I know there are things that bother people that are in my life, and I purposely do them, I'm not really aiming to be above reproach. Aim for what's honest, noble, proper, to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. Honor with your presentation. How your example, the example of the life you live. Part of this, the story I shared a little earlier, some, some, another part of the story I didn't share was that the same individual that wrote that letter, eventually there were some other things that happened after the fact, and I was just like torn up about it. I had a measure of breakthrough, kind of went back into this whole place of, man, it's never going to end. And I was going through a rough season, and I remember God speaking to me and saying, I want you, it was originally for 40 days, I want you to pray in tongues for 40 minutes a day for 40 days, every day. It's the power of praying in tongues. Paul talks about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, not in the context of somebody getting up and sharing a word in tongues and having an interpretation, but talks about it as a personal prayer language. He actually says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He's bragging about it. He's like, I pray in tongues more than y'all, is what he said, basically. And he said, it's not my mind that prays. He says, if you read it in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he says that it's not my mind. My mind is unfruitful. It's my spirit that prays. And when your spirit prays, it's perfect prayer. So for 40 minutes a day, every day, for 40 days, 40 minutes straight, I needed a personal breakthrough. And on the 40, it was around the 40th day, somewhere in that time frame, I ended up messaging this individual and I just felt to, and I felt like they're not going to want to talk to me. They, they absolutely don't like me. I'm like their worst enemy, it feels like. Why is this never ending, this issue? And I'm just going to reach out. I'm going to be the better man. I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to show my integrity. I'm going to show that I'm not going to let someone else dictate my emotion. And because they don't like me, I'm just going to be like, I don't like you. I don't like you. A lot of people do that, right? It's like, you don't like me? Well, I don't like you, Right? But I still have to love you. I mean, I like you very much, but I still have to love you. And I messaged this individual, and they got back to me, and we went out for, for coffee a week later, and it was like absolute healing. 
absolute healing, like peace. You could feel peace once again. Why? Because when you aim for peace, yes, sometimes you find peace, but every time you find peace within yourself. You may not always find peace on the other end with the other individual, but you'll find peace with yourself because you did what you needed to do. And I want to encourage you in this season to aim for peace. But remember, your life example is one of the rules of engagement when it comes to target practice in this season of your life. And just like skeet shooting, the second rule for engagement, you know what it is? second rule is developing and establishing your position, your stance. How are you standing? How are you? If you don't have a good stance, that gun's going to knock you over. If you're standing like this, the gun's going to knock you over. you got to have a right, the right stance to embrace the kickback and the right stance because you're aiming for what? A moving target. It's hard to aim for a moving target. Trying to aim for peace in relationships is like a moving target. It's moving, so you got to move with it. It can be challenging. I remember this one time I was in uh, I was in the U.S. living there, and I, I used to always share this story back in the day because it, it was like a mind blowing moment. I just I never had this kind of thing never happened to me before, and I I was in like a you guys know like this restaurant like a Ponderosa. It's like a I don't know if that still exists. I was living in the U.S. at the time, and I went to a Ponderosa, and I was just hanging out with this individual. I'm just like minding my own business, okay? I'm literally hanging out in a Ponderosa. I'm eating breakfast, and I am sharing a personal experience that I had with God with my friend, okay? And I'm talking about how I had this 48-hour visitation from God. It changed my life. I was, and I was in like the, the heat of this whole experience of what God was doing in my life. So I'm sharing this intimate, personal experience. And there was a guy like at another table, like I don't know, one or two tables behind me. And I could, you know, like you're, at a, you're in a public place and you can feel somebody's ear, like eavesdropping in on your car. Like you can just feel their ear, like you feel their ear. I could feel his ear. I literally, I was like, somebody's listening. And this guy, I guess, was listening to the conversation. So I'm having this conversation. This guy gets up. This is at a restaurant. I don't know who this guy is. He gets up. He interrupts my conversation and says, whatever he just told you talking about me is not true and it's not God. That's what, he told, that's what he said. I, I look up. Okay, now back then I was a little more rough. I had long dreadlocks. I mean, I, I, I was more of a fighter, okay? And that's, I'm, like, first, I'm like, first of all, who the heck are you, okay? And, and wh- like, why are you interrupting my conversation? He's like, that's not God. He's like, that's not God. Whatever you just said is not God. He's like, I can do, he's like I've, I've been to, he was, I think he was from India or something. I can't remember now. He's like, I've been to India, and I've seen magic, and I've seen all this stuff, and that's all demonic, and he just was going at me, and I'm like, bro, it was so intense, I'm not lying, I'm not exaggerating here, the manager came out and and said, is there a problem here? I'm like, yeah, this guy's got a problem, he interrupted my conversation, thank you very much, but anyways, long story short, I am like, listen, you want to have a conversation, I'll have a conversation with you any day of the week. You name the time, the place, here's my number. I thought for sure he wasn't going to call me. At that point, I was heated. I was heated. I, wasn't, I didn't care about peace at that point. I didn't care. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give him some five-fold ministry at this point. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm like, you, you just interrupted my conversation. Who are you to tell me that my experience is like a demonic one? I don't even know who you are. 
And so, once again, this is like a long time ago, okay? I've matured. I'm, I'm in a lot more balanced now, okay? But he, like, he calls me that afternoon. I thought, I'm shocked he calls me. He's like, where can we meet? I'm like, well, anywhere you want to meet. I met, so I met this guy at a coffee shop, a random place. I, we, get, we get in there, and I'm telling you, this guy just wanted to argue. But when I went in there, before I went in, I'm like, God, what do you want to do? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm a little mad. I'm a little annoyed. But I'm like, this must be something you want to do. He's like, I want to break the chains. That's what he told me. I want to break. I saw chains breaking off. And I, I, want, I want the peace. I want to give him peace. And I want to give you peace. I remember I went in there, this conversation, not knowing how it was going to go. I mean, the first, I'd say the first, like, 45 minutes was really rough. Um, it was really rough. And he didn't expect that I had the biblical knowledge that I had. This guy came from a Baptist background. Anybody, any Baptists in the house? Nobody wants to admit it? No, I'm just joking. Yeah. Um, but he came from a Baptist background, and he just wanted to fight me scripture. But I'm like, man, I was, like, locked and loaded. Like, I was locked and loaded with the Bible. I mean, you, okay, let's, let's, let's duke it out, man. I will, I will knock you over the head with the Bible. That's how confident I was. Once again, this is how I thought back then, okay? Just, um, I'm not like that anymore, okay? <laughs> and uh, so we had this conversation. It was about two and a half hours. The manager comes out because it got a little loud because I'm a loud guy. Naturally, I'm a little bit loud. My wife says I'm too loud. My wife, I embarrass my wife constantly when we go out. I don't think I'm loud. I mean, if you hang on with Harley, that's like a whole other decibel level. That's like a off the rate, like off the decibel meter. <laughs> we were actually having that conversation at her house the other day. I'm like, she thinks that if, <laughs> never mind. I'm like, for sure Harley's louder than me. Anyways, all that to say, that's another argument for another time. But I'm in this, 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 restu- this coffee shop. The guy, the manager comes over, asks the same thing. Is there a problem? Like, no, we're just having a civilized conversation. I don't even want to tell you the conversation because some of it was really horrific. And what things, some of the things he said, I was just like in shock. And I don't even bring it up. I don't want to say it. There's kids in the room. But anyways, the end of the conversation, it was like the peace of God just came into the room. And the beginning of the conversation, the guy, when he found out some of the people I was connected to, some of the people I was associated with, he's like, for sure. He's like, there's no way you are like of God, you're a false prophet, all this kind of stuff. It was that bad. By the end of it, he actually gave me money and sewed into a missions trip that I was doing with a guy that he was against at the beginning of the conversation. The end of the conversation, he's like, here's some money for your missions trips. I believe in what you're doing. All that to say is that when it feels impossible to have peace in any sort of relationship, it's possible with God. But you have to aim for the target if you're going to even get close. you got to aim for that target. It's target practice season. Are you hearing this this morning? So you have your response. You have your life example. Last point, you have your pursuit. Let's read the scripture again in verse 18. It says here, but take thought for what is honest, proper, and noble, aiming to be above reproach instead of everyone, verse 18, if possible. Other words, like, if you can manage it, even for yourself, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live in wholeness. The word is integrity of being. Live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you. 
For you to hit the clay pigeon, you have to be moving. You have to pursue that moving object if you're going to hit it. If you want peace with a former leader in your life, coworker, manager, relationship, you got to move towards peace. Don't sit there waiting for someone to get peace with you. You get peace with them. Don't wait for the other person. It's depending on you. God looks at you and says, what are you doing with what I've given you? Don't wait for someone to pursue you to make peace. You pursue them if you don't feel peace. Because I don't feel peace in this relationship right now, and I just, I'm pursuing you. I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to step out, and I'm going to pursue peace because that's what God wants for me to do. Are you hearing this this morning? So many people in relationships wait for the other person to do all the work. God is waiting for you to be responsible with what you have. It depends on you. As far as it depends on you, he says, live at peace with everyone. Honor with the pursuit. Because let me tell you this, true honor runs towards conflict. Dishonor runs from it. Let me say that again. True honor always runs towards conflict. Dishonor runs from it. If you've ran from any conflict and you've not run towards it for the purpose of resolve to aim for peace, you're probably still holding on to an offense. If you've exited a season because there was conflict and you still feel that heaviness, there's probably something in you that has unresolved issues towards that individual that you need to rectify. It's not about them all of a sudden being your best bro again or your best buddy again. It's about you letting go of the offense, letting you letting go, letting you letting go of the bitterness. That's what it's really all about. Be someone that aims to keep the relationship, that is quick to forgive. You know what the word forgiveness in the biblical sense literally means? Let me read this. I'm going to just read this for you. I'm going to give you a biblical a healthy biblical definition of forgiveness in the biblical sense. To, accru- to agree before God to lay down the right to take retribution for the offense, accepting the effects of that offense, and to take up the responsibility to act redemptively toward the offender. And there are two main New Testament words that we see that are translated as to forgive, and one of them means to let go, to release, to remit. The other one is a grace, and it means to bestow favor freely or unconditionally. And you're asking, well, how many times do I have to to forgive somebody? Well, I mean, Peter asked the same question in Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus said to him in verse 21, Lord, how many times, this is what Peter asked, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? up to seven times? He's like, is there a limit? And Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And that's not a word of limitation. That's actually a way in Hebrew of saying it's unlimited. Like there's no end to how much you need to forgive. The whole gospel message is around and centered around forgiveness. And then he says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. If you aim for peace, not to be a peacekeeper, God does not want you to be a peacekeeper. You'll be torn apart. A peacemaker is aiming for peace. The goal is peace. doesn't mean you're going to get peace. 
keeping peace is standing in the middle of being a people pleaser. God doesn't want you to do that. God's called you to be a peacemaker. I want you to stand up with me this morning as we close here because I just believe this, and I, I saw this last night when I was praying for you guys, for everyone here, and I, I wasn't sure who was going to show up today. I didn't know what the dynamics were going to be like, but this is what I saw. And let me just reiterate this Matthew 5, 9, this, this verse, this Jesus this is part of his Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, you know, the Beatitudes. Part of the meaning of the Beatitudes, which are, there are many in Matthew chapter 5, there are many, is to live in a state of joy. When you live by these things, it's to live in a state of joy. They're, they're really important. They're not do-attitudes, they're beatitudes for a reason. They're called to, we're called to be connected. We're called to be the example, we're called to live out these things in our life. Not just do them once in a while, but to be an example of them. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. That word blessed literally means to, for God to extend his benefits towards or to make large, to make you larger than life. If you aim for peace, you are acting larger. And so many people don't realize this, that when they're not, when they're paying repaying evil for evil, they are shrinking down into a version of themselves that they are not called to shrink down to. God has called you to live large. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. And this is what I saw this morning. I saw people today, this is what I saw last night when I was praying, making a decision, like writing down, making a commitment. I'm not saying make a vow. Be very careful around that stuff. But making a commitment and a decision today in marriage, your marriages, friendships, previous leaders in a previous season, co-workers, managers, bosses, I don't know who it is for you. There's somebody in your life where there's, maybe it's a sister, a brother, a cousin. There's somebody in your life that you know you have to aim for peace with. And it's not about the relationship being restored back to the way it was. It's about you being restored back to the way you were where you had no offense or heaviness or hurt towards that individual. It's about you. Not about them. It's about you. 